left, right. You. On today's episode, we are talking about cancel culture. Let me know what you think about cancel culture. We uh, we have differing opinions on cancel culture, James and I. So I'm really curious. You support it? You against it? Has it affected you? Have you affected it? Are you canceling anybody? Uh, listen on. Let me know. And if you have not already, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment. Any interaction at all will help us out greatly. And I will appreciate it. Thank you. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 Hello, everyone. This is episode 145 of Sip Talk. My name is Justin DeGiulio out of my basement in New Jersey, joined by James, the Bosnator Boswell, philosopher, accountant, referee. Ah, uh, fuck. What's, how do I always not know? Bartender. Bartender, bartender. That's the important one here. Um, <laughs> so I think we're going to name this episode Cancel Culture and Shooting People by Mistake. Because uh, I feel that's, like that's a good title, actually. I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, it took me about a half a second to just start typing. And that's what came out. So before we get into it, I'm going to pour a drink because I feel like a drink might help me uh, express my thoughts. You got a drink down there? You know what it is. Yes, I do. It's a uh, a bush ice. I still got some of this uh, habiki left, so that was good last time. So, look, how much does that run for a bottle? Beats the fuck out of me. I don't know. Uh, too much, probably. Okay, good answer. <laughs> Either way, so look, actually, I'm in the basement here in New Jersey, and what I did when I moved stuff into the basement was I, I was I planned to build a bar down here. But I got to get the flooring situation worked out. I got to make sure there's no leaks into the basement because we get some major rain. So uh, while I'm working at the floor situation, I had a bunch of boxes with liquor in them. But because I wanted to make cocktails and I could never find what I needed, I just unpacked the boxes and got rid of them. So there was like 140 bottles of just booze laying on the floor, wine, liquor, whatever. So I actually just moved it all into the back and I had uh, this bottle of Habiki out. So... Everything else is in storage. It's a beaky for Yeah, time. you still look like you're in like a prison interrogation room. Well, it, it's going to get there. We're just, wait, I just painted down here. Things are, things are, I got the dehumidifier on there because it rained all damn day. Um, actually, I got all dressed to go to work today and uh, headed out the door, checked the train schedule, and the trains were suspended. So uh, I just sat in the basement all day long, sitting at the computer. Uh, fun times. So, look, I want to get into I want to I want to broach the topic and explain to you what I was saying right before we went on air. And, and you really wanted me to finish my sentence, but I wanted to share with you the thought while we're on air to spark discussion from there. And okay. what I was saying is I want to I didn't want to get too deep into the cancel culture topic tonight. And that's because I don't I haven't fully flushed out my thoughts on cancel culture. So. Until I can, you know, and usually what I do is I kind of, I, I, you know, I write down the pros and the cons and, you know, when a new thought pops into my head, I kind of create a new paragraph and I just keep, you know, keep writing things down until I, I flush it out. And, you know, ultimately if I'm, if I'm putting something that, together that other people are going to see, then, uh, you know, then I'll reformat it and type it up. But, uh, you know, I just started getting my thoughts out here because I was reading your texts with Rosh. And you guys must have exchanged 95 messages back and forth today, including links and things like that. And since I was working all day, I didn't see your messages. So I had to read. <laughs> yeah, I was working, too. I just have the uh, the luxury of being able to chat while I'm working. Well, I uh, I had like 11, 12 minutes of of just constant text reading back and forth and, and comprehending that. So look, so I want to I want to get into cancel culture. But uh, but first. And I think mo the, the two celebrities we'll talk about today will likely be Chappelle and Alec Baldwin. So Dave Chappelle and Alec Baldwin. And uh, I don't know too much about what happened with Alec Baldwin, but it's my understanding that he was producing a movie or a TV show and movie and he was handed a gun for whatever reason. 
And I don't know if you and, and you can, I'm sharing with you my understanding and then you can tell me afterwards for whatever reason, whether it was in a scene or not, he pulled the trigger and the gun was pointed at someone and they they were shot and died. And again, just hear me out because I want to share my perspective. And I think this is what you guys had a lot of the conversation about today was people don't have the full perspective. So that's why I'm flushing out my perspective with you. OK, now, now at first I, you know, I, I thought maybe it was a scene that they were shooting. And he had to point the gun at somebody and pull the trigger. And it was a it was a real gun and it was loaded. So, you know, my thinking is one, why would they have a real gun on set? And then I was just like, well, you know, they try to keep things as authentic as possible. If I was an actor, I wouldn't want to be drinking apple juice. I'd want to be drinking real whiskey. And uh, and then two, how how was it a, a lot? You know, how was it a gun with ammunition in it? And then my brain started spinning. Well, you know, maybe. They needed a gun for the scene. And, and I think they were in like New Mexico or something. I don't know. Again, don't correct me yet. I'm sharing with you my perspective. And he pulled the trigger by accident and shot somebody. Now, when it comes to guns, and I don't hold, you know, with what I share with you, I'm not holding anybody too much at fault. But then, you know, when I think about it and it comes to guns, I have a BB gun. It's like a little James Bond, uh, Walther uh, BB gun. It's, it's kind of little... But just as a general rule, whether it's loaded or not loaded, I try to avoid pointing it at people because when and but I know this from having lived in the South for a little while and and having been around some hunting rifles when I was a kid, that it's just kind of general good measure to get in the habit of not pointing gun things at people unless it's a big orange gun says nerf on it or it's a laser tag gun. For the most part, you, you just don't point guns at people and you treat every gun as if it's loaded. And if you get in the habit of picking up something that feels like a gun that's probably a fake and you're aiming it at people, then that's very irresponsible. The, 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 there are two like there are a couple key rules to gun ownership. But, but what I'm one saying is, is if you treat on, every gun on. as if it's loaded. But, but what if you think it's a fake gun? And what I'm saying is if you and, and, and then I'm done. If it if it's a fake gun that's that's good enough to look like a real gun and it doesn't say nerf and it's bright and yellow, you should still treat it as if it is a real gun. Correct. Now, given in your mind, you might not be thinking life or death, you know, uh, outcome on on. But it should just be a general rule and you should treat it as as such. So uh, but again, I don't think anybody, you know, I don't, I don't think we should we should ruin this guy's life, but he did end somebody else's life. But there's many more. So parts. let's circle so back to me. that. So yeah. the, the the like two very key rules to gun ownership is treat every gun as if it is loaded and never point a gun at something that you aren't willing to shoot. So that means that like you don't point a gun at another person unless they are threatening you with like deadly force themselves. Like you never jokingly point a gun at somebody. You just don't do that. Um, I took you to the the gun range down here once and like I went a number of times and one of the rules that they had there that they were very strict about was the gun always remains pointed down range even when it's unloaded and sitting on the table in front of you you have the barrel pointed down range and when you're carrying the gun you have it in a basket you don't carry the gun in your hand you carry the gun in a basket, you bring it to the range, you put the basket down, you bring out the gun out of the basket, and the gun is still pointed downrange. It is never pointed sideways, it's never pointed towards you. When you're loading the gun, when you're putting the magazine in, the gun is pointed downrange. So that way, if anything happens, the bullet's going downrange. Hey, those of you guys who are watching and listening, if you want to call in and share your opinion on guns or the Alec Baldwin situation, there's a link in my bio on Instagram, you can click that and you can tune in uh, by voice or maybe by video if, if we if we let you come on. But uh, but feel free to do that. So. All right. So there's, anyways, there's a specific there's a specific specific rules about handling a gun that this firing range enforces. Now, are the uh, I, I happen to know that they're kind of general like anybody who's who's been raised with guns or knows anything about guns. These are kind of rules to live by with guns. But. But is it your understanding that that's also the case or is it your understanding that that's just I'm pretty it, sure that any responsibly run firing range would have the same set of rules. Um, both for their own liability, but also because it's best practice is guns always pointed down range and like the gun you never you never load the, the, the gun is only loaded 
when you were standing at the firing table. Like mm-hmm. they'll they'll give you the bullets, but the magazine is unloaded. You have to you have to load the magazine and like on the range. On they the don't, range. Yeah, yeah. They, they won't give you a loaded magazine and a gun in the the front desk. It's here's the bullets, here's the magazine that's empty, here's the gun that's unloaded with the slide unlocked. Mm-hmm. And you put it all together once you get to the range. And even when the gun has the slide unlocked and the chamber is clearly empty, you still have the, the muzzle pointed downrange. So anyways, to answer some of your questions about um, the like, circumstances and what exactly happened. Yeah. So the, the first thing you asked is like, why did they have a real gun and like live ammunition? So there are plenty of scenes in Hollywood that use blanks. Now, blanks do not mean that they aren't deadly. It's basically a bullet that instead of having a full metal jacket or a hollow point metal round at the tip has wax or like, I can't remember the term, like, like the stuffing that's put into like the barrel or whatever. So like, there's still the explosive charge behind all of that. And so even if you don't have a metal bullet coming out of the muzzle, the explosive force from just the propellant in the bullet at close enough range is enough to cause serious damage or kill somebody. So if you had your hand over the the end of a gun, the barrel of a gun that had a blank in it and it was fired, the force of the compression of air coming out of that could do damage to your hand. You would be lucky to have much of a hand left. That's what, that's what I would assume. Okay. Um, and so there's plenty of scenes that Hollywood will shoot where they use blanks because they want to have the sound of a gun firing in the scene. And this is accepted, Um, but there are clear protocols for safety. And the post that I was sharing with Rosh is an actor describing who's very familiar with all the different safety protocols. And they're describing every step that went wrong in the the events that led up to Alec Baldwin pulling the trigger and killing somebody. Now, I don't know exactly whether this was during a scene or if like he was handed a gun and like happened to have it pointing at somebody when he pulled the trigger. But whatever the case is, it's it's you can't call this an accident because that's not what it was. This was negligent. An accident would be if the gun happened to be loaded and like like the gun went off on its own, like the gun malfunctioned, like as like it was put into the basket. Well, how would, like, how are well, we, how, where are we drawing the line between negligence and accident? Negligence. Someone had to pull the trigger. Anytime you pull a trigger on a gun, that's not an accident. Okay. It's not, I, my so, hand slipped and I caught the trigger and it happened to go off. That doesn't okay. happen. So share with me the series of events because um, that's what I'm curious. So I'm going to go through it real quick. Proper protocol. The assistant director has a safety meeting each day to tell the cast and crew about the weapons that are going to be used in the day's shoot. So everybody on the set should know this. These are the scenes that are going to be using weapons. These are the weapons that are being used, etc. And what is that? A SAG rule? How does that work? I don't know. Okay, because if I was shooting a movie with if Rosh and I were shooting a movie and there were weapons involved, we would probably not be doing that. Now, no, neither but one is, of us is, the, is at the level of Alec Baldwin, but what I'm curious is, is, is where are these... This, I, would, I would imagine that this would be like a SAG rule because later on like in this post, they talk about how um, they weren't using union workers on the set because mm-hmm. the union workers walked off the set six hours before this person was killed. Why did they walk off? Safety concerns. Okay, so, and I, I'm curious more about that, but maybe we don't know. So, first first thing, the assistant director has a safety meeting. Everyone's on the same page. In any movie that's being shot that has that is going to be using weapons for the scenes, they're going to have an armorer. This is the person who's in charge of keeping all of the guns and all the ammunition and restricting access to those guns to only those who need to use them at the certain time. Um, and so, so the armorer is going to be the one preparing the weapons and keeps them under lock and key. 
Actors retrieve cold weapons. So cold and hot. Cold weapon is an unloaded weapon. Hot weapon is a weapon that has ammunition in it. And ammunition. Presumably blanks. Yes. But a hot weapon, a, a hot weapon can have blanks or live ammunition. It's equally deadly. Um, so actors retrieve cold weapons from the armory. Each and every time this happens, the armorer will go through a series of steps to show that the weapon is clear by either shining a light through the, through the barrel or pushing a rod through the barrel and sh having it show into the chamber so that they can see that there's no ammunition in it. And if the weapon's modified in any way by like having the firing pin removed or something, the armor also shows this to the actor so they can say, here's all the modifications of this weapon that we needed to make so that way we can have it in the scene. Um, they, also, they also will open up any magazine clips or chambers and show that there's no ammo. Um, and the, the assistant director is often present for these checks. And then from that point forward, the weapon never leaves the actor's control until it goes back to the armor. So even with a cold weapon, the only person that's allowed to touch it is the armorer or the specific actor that the armorer gave it to. Um, and these are cold weapons. So all actors holding weapons, as well as any actors or crew that will be swept by the barrel during the scene. So like if I'm if I've got a cold weapon and during the scene I have to point it at you, they're going to have to, they're going to be, or even if you've got like a cameraman that's going to have a cold weapon pointed at him, every single person in the scene needs to see and verbally confirm that they know that that weapon is completely unloaded and cold. And so when you have to do anything with hot weapons, again, the armor is the one who's preparing them. And the same process is used as above, but the armorer holds on to the weapons basically until the moment the director says action. Like the actors aren't going to be holding these hot weapons until the scene is ready to be shot. And every each and every blank or dummy round is handed to the uh, the assistant director to verify that it's not a real bullet. And then they hand it back to the armorer who actually loads it into the weapon. Um, and then like four scenes where they're using hot weapons. Um, basically, the only people that are allowed to even be on set are the ones that are absolutely necessary. And you make sure that like you have the scenes set up in such a way that if you've got a hot weapon that's going to be pointed in any direction, no crew members can be in any of like those areas, right? So you set up the crew, you set up the, the cameras and everything. So that way, whenever a hot weapon is pointed, nobody is having it pointed at them. If you need to have a scene where someone's getting the gun pointed at them, it's with a cold weapon. Right? Mm-hmm. I follow you. So no weapons are ever left un unattended. And if an unattended weapon is found, it's assumed to be hot until the armorer comes and clears it. And, and whoever left... The, the weapon is probably going to be fired unless like they're the lead actor and they're like in a starring role, in which case they'll probably get yelled at a lot. But for most people, if you leave a weapon hot or cold unattended, you're fired. Uh, during rehearsal, so when you're not shooting a scene, you're just doing the choreography or the blocking or anything like that, you're not even using cold weapons. You're using like rubber weapons or nothing because you don't need real weapons to rehearse. Yeah. Um, and then if if a crew member is going to have the weapon aimed at them for some reason, um, a piece of bulletproof plexiglass is set up between that actor and the crew member. So like, so basically none of those things happened. Um, and so so hold, hold up, because I want to I want to pause you on that and just share. I don't know who's writing this. I don't know what their background is. They're an actor. Sure. Fine. Fair enough. But I don't know. Do we know who this person is exactly? Or we just know they're, they're identifying as an actor. They, they say they, they claim to have been a union actor for about 20 years. Okay. So there's lots of, lots of people. Now I'm, I don't know what union they're talking about, but there's lots probably of probably student, probably a SAG actor. Yeah. That's, that's also my thinking. Um, now just f the way this is sounding, 
so far. And I'm sharing my perspective and kind of real world background. And I don't know any of the facts, but I can tell you if there was a truck accident with like a tractor trailer and somebody was saying, well, you know, this, this shouldn't have happened because we have, we have these certain safety procedures that every trucker must do. It's very irresponsible not to do it. First off the bat, we check the tire pressure of every tire, all 18 wheels. Second off, we verify that this is working and this is, and you know, most of the time that doesn't happen, right? Like, you know, that a lot of these things aren't always happening. Now they might be in the, they might be in the handbook and maybe somebody who's driven a truck over the course of 20 years, a couple dozen times, which is not that often is, is, is going to pretty much follow these procedures. But the majority of truckers just aren't because they have faith that for the most part. Yeah, but th- that's different. I, I think well, a better analogy would be like flying a plane. If you're flying on a commercial airplane, then before you fly, the the pilots go through a pre-flight checklist. Uh, and they a much check, better example. Much, and they, much better they example. go through every single step. Even if they've done it a thousand times before, they still go through every single step and identify everything that they need to. And they don't just say, yeah. Flaps seem like they're working pretty good today. No, I say flaps track up to 35 degrees and down to negative 25 degrees or whatever the numbers are. But also you have, you have, you have the FAA versus SAG. My guess is I would, I would be more afraid of the FAA and there's a lot more actual, actual overlooked regulation with like a black box, you know, a lot, a lot more, you know, where people are listening in, on the cockpit. I'm thinking that's not so much the case. So, so while I like your example better than mine, I think it's a bit too extreme, but again, I don't know, but I have a feeling oftentimes these things are not that are they're they're overlooked and not punished. But so, so what I, I don't disagree with any of them. So from reading from the original post of this person who claims to be an actor for 20 years and the way that they've written this and the, the details that they give, I believe them, but reading through the other comments, and again, it's the internet, so you can't know 100%, but other people who are actors talk about their experiences and basically say, this guy's right. And they talk about having been in scenes with either hot or cold weapons and not feeling unsafe because of the protocols that were followed beforehand to make sure that there's safety. So and I, I would say to further this point, we know that the union crew that was working on the set walked off the set six hours before this incident happened. And so, do we know, do we know the specifics of the safety concerns or maybe they um, were saying we're not well hydrated enough and we're in the mm, heat and that feels, like I would it. have to imagine that it was safe. Like here's, here's another fact that, that came out today um, was that uh, after the union crew walked off, they had other people work in the set and like, during like downtime between scenes or whatever, like they were like plinking with like the prop guns. So they were just like, you know, if they're in the New Mexico desert, who the fuck cares? Like, I'm just going to like set up some cans 20 yards down, down the line and fire at them. You're not harming anybody, but on a set of a movie, you're not allowed to do that. Nobody should have access to the weapons except the armor. So there's clear examples of safety practices not being followed. Okay. All right. All right. Like it's one thing if you're out with your your friends in the woods and you want to shoot at some beer beer bottles or whatever, fine. But that that's not a professional environment where safety is like safety should still be a concern if you're out with your friends having like plinking. But this is just like if you were in the office. That's what you have to consider this movie set to be is you're this is a professional work environment. You're not just going to have people taking pot shots at a couple targets while they're okay. waiting for the next scene to set up. So, so I but that was know, allowed to happen. I want to know the following events that actually happened. Do you have them? No, no. I'm, I'm here. Here's but, where. So, a lot of people are talking about, and and me and Raj got into this a little bit about parasocial relations, um, where he's like. I, because Alec Baldwin has been kind of widely regarded for quite some time and hasn't really had any bad press or anything like that, our reaction to this has been more sympathy. Whereas when you look at it 
first of all, he's a producer on the movie. So he's responsible for the set. He's responsible for the crew that's there. And everybody wants, because they have positive feelings for him, they want it not to be his fault. It's kind of like Michael Jackson. A lot of people wanted, you know, knew nothing about the Michael Jackson case. I still know very little about it, but I was actually happy when he when he was let free of all the charges or, you know, whatever the case. But that's what you mean by parasocial is you have this perceived relationship with someone. Yeah, because they because you've seen them in so much media and everything else, you feel like you know them as a person, even though you've never met. And it creates these weird dynamics where you think of them like a friend, even though you've literally never seen them in person. Um, so, so, and so what we a lot of people see Alec Baldwin as a friend because they've seen him in all these roles of him being a positive guy or whatever. But you have to look at this and say, he's a producer on this set. He's responsible for the crew. His first crew walked off because of safety concerns. He brings on a scab set of crew that are taking pot shots at, at targets or whatever during breaks between scenes. And then, and his armorer was completely inexperienced. It was like the daughter of like one of the other producers or something like that. So they had an inexperienced armorer who really didn't know what they were doing. And he's handed a weapon. And again, they didn't go through the checks of saying like, hey, this weapon's clear. See, slides back, no ammunition or anything else. He's handed a weapon. And then at some point it's pointed at somebody and he pulls the trigger and it turns out that there was a, there was a bullet loaded in it. Not a bullet, a blank. And that's, I would like to know a little more around the situation. Whereas did he aim it at somebody and jokingly pull the trigger? Was it in his hand at rest and he was just looking at the gun, pulled the trigger to make sure it was empty or, and it happened? I don't know. Empty. But and whatever that's, the that's case is, we, yeah, that's, that's, we, going back to how we started, two rules of gun ownership. No, always assume that a gun is loaded. Never point a gun at somebody under any circumstance other than you expect to kill them. Yeah, and that's and that's that's what we hope is the extent of the negligence. Well, no, right. the, the negligence is that he had that he ignored these safety concerns, that the crew was under his control because he's the producer and he was handed a gun and he pulled the trigger on it. Yes. And we hope that is the extent of the negligence, not That's, he jokingly aimed the gun and pulled it at somebody because that makes it a thousand times worse. It's already as bad as it can possibly be. Well, no, it could be worse if he if he you know didn't you know all these other things happened and then he like aimed the gun at somebody and and pulled the trigger, you know we don't I don't really it. see a difference here. Well, one is grossly negligent. The other is like these things could happen and no. you can let them pass. No, no, none of these things should happen and none of these things should pass. Every single one of these things is grossly negligent. But it's it's perspective. And I think aiming a gun and pulling the aiming a gun at someone and pulling the trigger is more negligent than than uh, just kind of general gun ownership and and management negligence. He aimed the gun at somebody and pulled the trigger. Otherwise, they wouldn't be dead. Well, we don't know that he aimed the gun at this person. He had to have. Otherwise, they wouldn't be dead. We don't know that he had the gun in the sight line of the gun. Now, the gun at some point could have been pointed at somebody and the trigger was pulled. Right. So he pointed the gun at somebody and the trigger was pulled. You're you're missing my point or you're being argumentative for the sake of your argument. No, what I'm saying is that whether or not he intentionally held the gun to somebody with the intent of pointing it at somebody or the gun just happened to be pointed at somebody and he pulled the trigger is the same in your mind. And what I'm saying is that from the person that has this parasocial relationship with him, the aspect that I'm telling you is going to make a major difference okay. to that person. So Rosh, who has that relationship and the majority of America who has that relationship with him is going to want to know, did he do this and pull the trigger or did he do this and pull the trigger and go, Oh shit. Because there's a major difference now, not to you, because you value so highly um, responsible gun ownership and think that. And I don't even own a gun and and you don't own a gun and believe that irresponsible gun ownership is effectively the same thing as pointing a gun at someone and pulling the trigger. And you are right for your camp. 
but there's a whole other perspective that is going to disagree with you, that it's a different level of responsibility. And, and I would argue that given I, the results, my camp wins because the person's dead either way. And, and you have a really valid argument. And, and ultimately, that's what it comes down to. But we'll see where this goes over the coming weeks to, to really determine the greater social perspective, kind of, you know, how the general public feels about this. At this point in time, I feel like there's too many unknown unknowns or just generally unknowns for people to speculate too, too much. There's probably a lot of facts that are available to the people who need to know them, but not to the public. Yes. But uh, you know what I, I, I'm very positive on that, which is a lot of the questions I have right now are things that I imagine that anybody that would press, that would have been present would have been aware of, but th that information hasn't come out yet. But I'm curious how long it stays in the media sphere, because I, I think we've done a really good job about this. But uh, every time I turn on the radio, which is literally a couple times a day, it just goes on automatically. The only thing they're talking about is coronavirus. So I'm really curious if if this plays out in the media, if people are that interested in it and it sticks around or if it just kind of, you know, it just kind of settles and dissipates. So I'm, I'm very yeah. curious where where that goes moving forward. Um, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but it, it's and this is one of those ones where like Stalin's quote about one death is a tragedy, a million deaths is, is a statistic. It's this one accidental shooting has gotten way more attention than all of the intentional shootings that have happened in the last week. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, I, actually I don't know what to say about that. I think it speaks for itself. <clears throat> well, I saw a, a stat on Twitter, uh, I think maybe the end of last week or shortly after this happened, I imagine. But they were talking about like the percentage of gun deaths in the U.S. compared to or not the percentage, the sheer number of gun deaths in the U.S. compared to most other first world countries. And ours is just magnitudes higher than than anywhere else. Basically, anywhere that isn't in an active war zone is behind us. <laughs> yeah, that no, very, very true. Very true. Um, all right. So and, and, and on to cancel culture. Because, uh, damn, uh, I had this in the refrigerator. I had this bottle in the refrigerator for whatever reason, just because I didn't, ha I wanted to get it out of the basement and it, it's going down too fast here. So let's get through cancel culture before, well, uh, let me, let me start off with this. Uh, I want, I want you to respond to this idea first because I was talking with the derv a good bit today about the Chappelle, spe um, special and, and cancel culture in general. And one thing that I started to realize about halfway through the talk is that. I don't think anybody is actually opposed to cancel culture. I don't think that there's an issue with someone's career being ended by something they did or said, because we can come up with examples that I think everyone would agree on having been be canceled. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm going to use Mel Gibson for an example of it coming out that he's racist and anti-Semitic and like vehemently so. And he really hasn't done anything for the last 10 or 15 years. Um, Bill Cosby is never going to work again because it turns out he likes to rape women. And I don't think that anybody has a problem with him being canceled. And if they do, I would really question their value system. But I think the people and Weinstein is another one to, to chalk up there. Yep. Now, I don't think anybody's arguing that like they should be given another chance and they should be kind of reintegrated into being powerful and famous. Okay, so I I'm using that as... Right, but I'm using that as a basis to say we're all okay with cancel culture. But I'm, but I'm on that note. I'm going to, I'm going to include the number of people that are afraid of cancel culture, and therefore are against it. And First, we should, just, let's, let's just greet Maria real quick. Hi, Maria. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Julian. Hi, Dr. Lauren. Hi, Kyle. Christina. Uh, Rain Quile, Jess, Irma, hey guys, uh, Cindy Salas. I want to see if anybody agrees with what I'm saying about how everyone's okay with cancer culture. The difference is where do we draw the line in terms of what is cancelable? 
Well, I think, and and please, if you guys are, are watching, James wants to know, are you against cancel culture or do you believe that anybody is against cancel culture? And what I want to say to that is that I think that there are people that are afraid of cancel culture or people that are afraid to be them their true selves or uh you know they 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 feel a bit they're they feel a bit in fear of doing the wrong thing that are afraid of cancel culture so my view is that what we refer to as cancel culture right now is really the free market deciding whether or not it likes your ideas yes and this is a newer this is a newer thing no, not really. It's just it gets more attention now because it's easier to follow. Well, what I was going to say, it's a newer thing because of social media and okay, and people's ability to share their opinions that, that don't need to go through CNN or Fox News. It can right. just so, go so through whatever platform. You're, you're putting my point in a way that I would have liked to. <laughs> uh, because we know how much you love Facebook. Yes. Uh, so big fan. But uh, did you watch the Dave Chappelle special? I tried to watch. I don't have Netflix. So I tried to watch as much of it as I could today by like piecing together clips on YouTube. And mm. one of the, so one of the things and I, I talked with the Derv about this a good bit because um, we had a slow mortgage afternoon. So we had time to talk. And one of the things that was really confusing to me is like, first of all, as a comedian, your job is to go up on stage and say things that people either want to hear or entertaining to them, right? Mm -hmm. And so when people don't like what you have to say, that, that kind of means you're doing a bad job. Now, I looked and, and so when he, he faced a big backlash over the, the most recent Netflix special, I'm not going to weigh in as to whether that backlash is, is warranted or not because it's really hard for me to tell what his actual positions are. It like for some comedians, it's very easy to tell when they're joking and when they're making a statement about something mm -hmm. in this particular special from the clips that I listened to, it was really hard for me to tell where he was being serious and trying to make a, a point about something and where he was crafting a joke as part of a bit. But whatever the case is, he has this huge backlash from a certain segment primarily a trans community. And when that happens, you've got four options in my view. One is to try and provide context and say, hey, you guys are not interpreting this correctly. Here's the full context. Two is to apologize for what you said. Mm -hmm. um, I guess it's really three options. Or three is to just say, I said what I said, and that's the end of it. So he's kind of chosen option three, which is fine. He's a comedian. He can say what he wants on stage and people can like it or not. What he's now doing, though, is trying to play the victim card. But the thing is, if you're going to choose option three and say, I said what I said, then that's you owning the consequences of your actions. But I don't, but I don't, you, you see him as playing the victim card here? Because I yeah, don't. He, he's talking about how he's being disinvited from various events well, that's, but, and, but is he saying he's really sad about it yeah he's talking about how he's feeling like he's being canceled and oh, my view oh. is like you get you got to say whatever you wanted to say on stage if you don't want to provide context for it if you don't want to apologize for it fine i don't care th about that but if you're not going to do either of those things then people have a like have a right to be upset with you about well, it here here one hear me out on this one, I don't think he's complaining about being canceled. He's probably has a lot of press and a lot of questions. And he's saying, and they're saying, how do you feel about this? And he's saying it sucks. But I don't see him going, seeking national spotlight, saying I'm really sad and calling people out for canceling him. Two, I, I watched the special and I know it's Chappelle. And I know it's Chappelle who had a, a crazy, incredible career ahead of him. And he just disappeared and left and went to Africa because it wasn't something that he was interested in and being super famous wasn't something that he was interested in. Mm -hmm. Having watched the special, it to me sounded like he was using his perspective 
as a, as an opportunity to generate some humor. And he was sharing his background and things that every day make us uncomfortable and that everybody has their perspective on certain things. And he was sharing his perspective on many, many aspects of everything, but including mm-hmm. including uh, trans culture. The trans culture is what's got him in the hot water right now. Well, Nobody cares and, about and anything I, else that he really said. And he spends a decent amount of time kind of throwing jabs at the trans community. Um, and and it, it sounded to me, having watched the whole special, that he was he was kind of using these people he was using that as as a premise for the comedy that he, that he was generating um but but he he ties the special together at the end with sharing that this person was a close friend to him and they they committed suicide and he has a lot of regret for everything that that's going on and He's, you know, he was sharing his perspective on things, but basically, you know, he was, he was, he was kind of, ba- what's the word? And again, I haven't, I wasn't ready to have a conversation about this because I haven't flushed out my full perspective on it. But to me, it was almost him like looking at the mirror with his interaction and him saying, look, you know, I, I, I mentioned this in humor because a lot of people here are laughing and it is humorous, but. I don't condone any hate and I want people to invoke as much empathy as possible. So there's a point there. There's two points in his bit where he talks, uh, he goes, he talks about that. Um, he talks about the North Carolina bathroom bill where that basically made it so that trans people would have to use the bathroom assigned as their birth gender, not their current gender. So if you, if you're a man that's transitioned to a woman in North Carolina, the, they, I don't think the bill passed, but at one point it would have been that if you were made to transition to a woman, you'd have to use the men's bathroom, even though you present as a female. And he was talking about how bills like that are really hurtful and cause problems. And he he's against that. And he's against discrimination. He wants equality for everybody. And there's that aspect. But then there's also been, I don't know, I didn't get to this part in the special because again, I had to just kind of snip it together through YouTube where he talks about himself as a trans exclusionary radical feminist. And so it's really hard for me to square those two together because one, you're saying everyone's equality, but you're also, and this is not my words. These are his words saying, I am a turf. I'm a trans exclusionary radical feminist. So when he's putting the own words of exclusionary as a title for himself, it's hard for you to not say that the trans community doesn't feel excluded when he's the one saying he's excluding them. So I can't figure out what his actual position well, is and I think, because he's playing think, both sides. I think you need to watch the whole thing to understand I want him, to. him explaining that for him. And again, this is he's sharing his perspective and draws a lot of attention to the fact that this is his perspective, that he questions how Kate, Caitlyn Jenner basically says, you know, I, I have a difficult time squaring in my life. And I imagine a lot of other women do that. Caitlyn Jenner was the woman of the year, yet she's never had a single period. Now, and he, he you know, not not. And I think you know, he might have talked about his relationship with Caitlyn Jenner. Or maybe I'm thinking of somebody else, but him saying that these things are difficult to square in your mind. And you have to watch and, and you have to watch how he connects everything. Okay. And, and I think a lot of the backlash and, and what you keep, and I caught this in the message between you and Raj is that people are saying you need to watch it to the end and you need to watch it in full. I think that's fair. And what you're sharing with me is that you're missing the, the connects between the two points. And that's, that's something that I think is really important with, with that particular special. Now, he also says that he, I've heard him say that he doesn't give a shit being canceled on Twitter because Twitter's not a real place. <laughs> well, he's kind of right about yeah. that. So, but he also, you know, and I think he kind of throws a couple of uh, flares out there saying, I understand this is controversial. Um, 
you know, it is what it is. I'm not, I'm not so concerned about my career and being rich and famous. That's not something I'm interested in. So if, if people want to cancel me for it, they can, I'm sure. And, and also I think that this was his last series in his contract with Netflix so that he felt that he could kind of be a bit more, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, free spoken. No, a bit more, not free spoken, but, uh, damn radical maybe or uh there's another word i'm looking for i can't i can't maybe it's the habiki i don't but, know uh but but it, it would be something to watch in full and uh and and that's that but but you know again at the end of the day he was putting on a, a comedy special and a certain aspect of it being alarming or controversial is good for the special. It's good for Netflix. It's good for the viewers. Even if people are watching it because they're curious what he's going to say and they already go in knowing they don't like him, they're going to, you know, they're going to watch it and that's good for Netflix. And, and, and that's that. Yeah. The point that my brother brought up, and again, I haven't watched the entire special, so I can't, I, I wish I could comment better than I can, but the point that my brother brought up is like that by by picking on the trans people that it's already a community that faces a lot of discrimination and they're like violent crime and the murder rate against trans people is way higher than any other demographic and so he's like it, it's it's like he's punching down on a group that has already suffered a lot of abuse well, and that not everybody that watches a special even if they watch it from minute one to minute 60 or however long it is that not everybody that watches it is going to understand that it's a comedy special and they might actually start to change their mind to think the way he does if that's harmful. Uh, I, I don't know. I have a feeling based off what you're telling me that your brother told you today that he also did not watch the full special. I don't know. I'll have to ask him. I, I, I don't think he did. But my, my because... whole point is I think that it's value. If, if you're going to make criticism of, of the closer then you should watch the entire thing. Yes. And, and even that phrase, and, and this is almost how I know that he didn't watch the whole thing is he says, he said that he has been accused in the past of punching down on the trans community. And that there was, there was, you, you got to listen to the whole thing. I, I, I want to. Cool. But so look, look, let's, I want to talk a little bit more about cancel culture before we run out of time and just share it. Well, just respond, uh, respond to my, my hypothesis that nobody's actually against cancel culture. It's all about where we draw the line in terms of what is cancelable. Well, I, and I'll, I, that's exactly where I'll start. And I think people are afraid of cancel culture because it invokes the fear of, of them being free and having freedom of opinion, expression of opinion. Um, even unpopular opinion, but it, it challenges their ability to express themselves and their opinion and, and feel free in doing so. And somebody wants to say something controversial on Twitter and then that gets used against them. People, you know, they may just say nothing on Twitter because they're they're afraid of the crazy backlash or maybe there is no backlash. But then 10 years from now, it gets used against them. Well, that's one of those ones where you have to think one why am I afraid of the backlash? Like you have to think, and maybe that's a time for you to reconsider your opinions and think, hmm, maybe I should rethink this position because there's some problems with it. So I'll give you an example that I read about. And this was a white affluent woman who owned a store who wanted to do something last year for the Black Lives Matter campaign, but was afraid to do anything at all because she was afraid of doing the wrong thing. And doing anything that could be perceived as the wrong thing because she didn't know, but she still wanted to show support and presumably didn't because she didn't know what to do. But she was she was in in fear of that. But what? Well, here's the thing is, if you're running a business, 
taking a stance on on social matters, whatever those social matters may be, is generally a bad business decision because you're going to divide people. And ultimately, as a business, your goal is just to sell shit to people. And so if you're taking a stance socially one way or the other, then there's going to be some people that probably don't want to socially engage with your business, even if you have a product that they want that they want. But that's an easy opinion to take. But as a business that wants to be part of the community and part of the community conversation, because community conversation is being part of the community, it's it's a very difficult place to navigate. And I know I know that from running the company Instagram account that there I've I've action I've I've actually oftentimes been just froze on certain holidays and certain things. Not I'm not saying I have I'm way too fucking busy to come up with a post for every goddamn holiday. But sometimes when I've had some free time, I've struggled with like uh, the Muslim holidays posting something because I just don't know what to say. And I've wanted to post something because I, you know, so here's to- here's my suggestion on that. And this goes for both the 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 business owner who wanted to support Black Lives Matter and you business owner who wants to celebrate a certain holiday that you're not familiar with. In either of those cases, if you want to do the right thing, ask someone who's a member of that community and, and often, say, hey, and oftentimes th- I have. But but again, that's also a tricky, tricky move to make because it's, it's just a tricky move to make. And. And that's the reality of the situation. So I, I want to I want to share a little bit more, though some questions I have and then and then we can have a bit more of a conversation about them. But I want to I want to flush these out and at least get them out before I can flush them out. But questioning what actions are cancelable at all. So so my thinking is almost anything in the hands of the media with the right perspective or spin can be cancelable. And uh and then you know in thinking about this a little more I was trying to think how would you come back from being canceled if you can at all? Now you can uh, for one. Well, there's a there's certain things that are that are too far. Cosby, for example, which I don't think anybody from afar, you or I, would have seen that coming, right? But I don't. No, think it was a surprise, that, but but maybe those close to him may have known. But point is, from our perspective, we wouldn't have seen it coming. Now, somebody like Cosby or Weinstein, I don't think there's any coming back from that. Nor now, should there be. Okay, fair, fair enough. Uh, now, there's a certain number of people that, whether you try to appeal to them in trying to come back from being canceled, are going to have their backs to you and are, are going to have you completely tuned out. So the only and That's I didn't, fine. I didn't, you, you weren't going to get them back anyways. Fair, fair enough, but I, I didn't expand on this thought too much. But I think the only way to get them back on your side would be you got to appeal to anybody who you can appeal to, and then hope that the ones who have their backs to you will be appealed to in your favor from their friends right yeah, you've got the wrong goal there though well, because but, you can't please everybody and you never will but so the thing instead, is you pissed off you pissed off a bunch of people who may not know the real story or exactly what happened who are getting wrapped up in the tsunami of the media that's pushing the cancel culture well, all right, well can i throw out a quick example here because i think this is instructive and we talked about it a while back when we were doing when we were talking about me too because there's a lot of parallels here like when aziz ansari got accused of like something or whatever like the real story came out and it was just a bad date where he was kind of awkward and the girl didn't feel comfortable but like after the real story came out everyone was just like this is bullshit like well, he didn't do anything simple. wrong and That's he didn't and he didn't example. get canceled. He's still doing whatever he wants to do in the media and everyone's fine with him because he didn't do anything wrong and he was open about it. And he's just like, yeah, this is what happened. So there, that, you could argue that that was a cancellation attempt and it failed because ultimately he didn't do anything wrong. And sure. I'm not even a fan of him, but I don't think that he did anything wrong. And I think that people who that he should still be able to produce work. And if people want to watch it, then go ahead and watch it. But again, what is cancelable? So that and that's what I'm saying is that everyone has a different definition and that nobody has an issue with cancel culture. So when when you hear people talk about cancel culture, and this is what this is why I hate hearing it come up all the time is anytime somebody brings up cancel culture, what they're really saying is that they don't like that somebody whose views they agree with is suffering negative consequences for also holding those views. Well, but I'm talking more about the people that are afraid of cancel culture. 
and afraid of maybe something that they did in the past, whether they're unsure of it, popping back up to haunt them at some point in the future. And then my, my, my thinking went down the lines of, you know, there's certain things that are too far, but if you have done something in the past that you can identify and you know was bad, how would you make, how would you kind of reconcile that? Would you ask for forgiveness and bring it back up to that person? Or would you just kind of hope it away and hope it never comes back? Because it might the mature be a way of dealing with it. And I think both you and I, this is applicable to is that there, there have been things that both you and I have done that we probably regret today. Agree? Yes. I, I wish I had. I'm not going to bring them up. No, I, but I, I, I wish I had a better memory also because that. Right, you but know, like, I'm sure that there's something that if it was brought up to you today, you'd just be like, I'm not I, proud of that. Yeah, I can tell you that that's true of me 100%. And if someone were to come up to me and say, hey, remember that thing that you did 10 or 15 years ago? And if that were to be made public, if I were a public figure and someone were to come forward and say, James did this, then the, the mature way to respond would be to say, it's true. I'm sorry. It happened in the past. And I've reached out to that person directly to try and make amends. And what if it hadn't been brought to your face? Is it always a good idea to reach out to that person? Once you identify it, is it the best idea to reach out to that person and force them to revisit whatever it was that happened? Not necessarily. What you could do is you, you issue a statement and you say, it's true and I regret my actions. No, no, I'm saying and before, now you're talking about after somebody said, hey, James, this you did this eight years ago and, and, and that was bad and, I'm, and, and shame on you and I'm, I'm not letting you live this down. You're saying after that, I'm saying it's, you know, it's late October 2021 and you know, you did something bad that you're not proud of. Maybe somebody else was the victim. Maybe they don't feel so victimized. Should you? Maybe they do and they hate you for it and they've forgotten about it or they haven't forgotten about it. But do you reach out to them and say, hey, remember this happened eight years ago? I'm really sorry. I haven't haven't been able to live down. They're like, oh, I didn't. I wasn't big on on uh, in, Instagram eight years ago. Now I am. I'm going to lambast James. Or do you hope well, it goes away? That's a really hard one to say because I, and, you don't know how they're going to react. Like, there's people that I've wronged in the past, and if I were to try and reach out to one of them today, I don't know if it would be a good idea because it might just bring back up shitty things that I did in the past. Or it might be something positive of like, hey, I know that was a long time ago, but I appreciate you realizing your mistake and apologizing to me. I feel better about it now. That would be the best case scenario. That would, yeah, but it could also be, I'm, I'm really upset that you brought that up again. Now I have to relive it. And so yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what the proper approach is. And that's now, I think everybody wants to apologize and get something off their chest. But then also there's a... You, you know, it may be better for you to just suffer quietly, you know, with it. And, I don't have the answer there. I don't think there is an answer. And that's that's kind of where I where I ran my thoughts kind of into a ditch and 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 then started checking out some of the Dave Chappelle coverage and all the heat that he's getting that I don't really think he, he cares that much about. But I think that anybody who's giving him heat on it needs to listen to and watch the full episode. And, 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 you know, an end of end of conversation on that, um, because I actually thought it was a, a pretty cool episode. And I think that's a good way to wrap is that, like, before you form, form an opinion on something, get the whole story. And, and that's about what, what do we start talking about in the beginning of the episode? And and we were talking about uh, oh, with social... Alec Baldwin shooting people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one where like we don't have the full story and we can't get the full story. Well, not yet, at least. And uh, uh, I want to say hi to Lewis, Chris Dufresne, Danushi, Lisa. What's up, guys? Lisa said sometimes things are better left unsaid. I think. I think it's situational and I yes, agree. And it's situational on on both sides of things. Uh, and uh, and that's where it gets 
confusing. But but like you said, before we can have too much perspective on the Alec Baldwin situation, we don't know enough. And, what we do know so far is not good. And and again, that's you don't. What was the word we, we, you used with Rosh earlier? Social uh, parasocial relationship. Parasocial relationship. Parasocial relationship. Meaning you feel a certain way about Alec Baldwin, given you have no actual relationship with him. Um, and I think that those who have a positive parasocial relationship with Alec Baldwin want to know, did he do this with the gun or didn't he? People from your camp are saying it's the same. Uh, and I don't I don't think either one of you is wrong. Again, it's all perspective. I we think are, one of them is wrong. <laughs> the one without your perspective. Uh, on that note, I want to thank Rosh Galeb who's feeding us your comments those of you guys who are watching us live thank you for joining us thank you mj for the comment she said great topic tonight guys uh thank you mj uh thank you guys on tiktok thank you rosh thank you james see you guys next time cheers good timing Adios. all right that concludes this episode let me know do you agree with me you agree with james somewhere in between or are we both wrong thank you again as always for watching and listening and i will see you next time I like PBR, I just got priced out of it.